welcoming the new season of the greatest competition in the world. Welcome to Hamlet. Girls, welcome to episode 328 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. This week I'm joined by Andres. Hello, Sam. English Dale. Hello and welcome. And Latrice, the cat. I just forgot to say the word and between Andres and Dan's names and then realised I needed to use it in order yeah. to make a full sentence. Yeah. Latrice is, is being quite quiet at the moment, fortunately. Um, the Copa Libertadores has begun. That is to say, the group stages of the Copa Libertadores have begun. Of course, we've been talking about the qualifiers uh, for a little while already. Um, and with it, the delightful news since we last recorded that our sponsors, Fanatis, have secured um, another year, at least, of the rights to stream the Copa Libertadores to viewers in North America. Or Actually, I'm not sure whether it's North America or specifically the United States. Um, it might be the US and Canada, I'm not sure. Um, which gives me a perfect excuse to remind you that we are sponsored by Fanatis. Um, you can get, wherever you are outside Latin America, the Superliga and the Copa Argentina, both live and on demand in case you miss a match. And if you're in the United States, and possibly Canada, um, then you can get the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana, both live as well, via their um, BN Sports hookup. And they are also going to be showing League 1, I apologise to our French listeners because I've probably just mispronounced that name. And La Liga um, of Spain as well. Um, and also, sorry, if I am not wrong, uh, for United States only, Gold TV channel. Yes, yes, precisely. So BN and Gold TV are both available on there. So whatever those two show, essentially. Uh, as well as, I think, Liga Uno de Peru. I, I think that's the other one. And the Bolivian Championship, if you're into that. Mm. You can check this all out for $9.99 a month. Uh, you can get 20% off your first three months. All you have to do is go to, please remember this address and please use it if you want to check out anything at all to do with Fanatis because that's how they know that we are sending you there. It's fntz.co slash hop. And the discount code, if you're signing up to get 20% off those first three months, is hopfz or H-O-P-F-Z, if you're American. Um, anyway, there is a tweet in, in which you're explaining Yes, this. exactly. There are, there are lots and lots of tweets, and also I've started writing occasional match previews now um, on my blog with, with the link in them, so please click them. Even if you're outside Latin America and you have no intention um, of actually signing up for Fanatis, if you're outside Latin America and you click the link, that does help us. Um, they're going to be paying us uh, based on the number of clicks they get as well as the number of people who sign up via our link. Um, so thank you very much in advance if you've already done that one. Well, I thank you in retrospect if you've already done it, and thank you in advance if you're going to do That's it as a result of hearing this. Anyway, on with the results from the Superliga weekend just gone. They were as follows on Friday evening. San Lorenzo versus Argentinos Juniors turned out to be, at least the, it sounded because I didn't actually catch it, rather more entertaining than any of us were expecting it to be. It finished 3-2 to Argentinos. <laughs> Unión de Santa Fe lost 3-1 at home to Boca Juniors. 
Uh, oh, I did watch San Lorenzo. I think was what, yeah, because I was home from the pub already by that point. So how many games without a win now for San Lorenzo? We'll get into that in a few minutes. On Saturday, Rosario Central versus Belgrano and San Martin de San Juan versus Godoy Cruz, the Clásico de Cusho. Both of those matches, uh, nothing really very much happened. Certainly no goals. They both ended nil nil. <sighs> San Martin de Tucumán lost two one to Lanús. And River Plate beat Newell's Old Boys 4-2 in the Monumental in a rather entertaining game. On Sunday, Tacheres got a home win 2-0 over Colón. Patronato, I hope you're listening to this, lost one... No, they didn't. They beat, sorry. They won 1-0 against Huracán in Paraná. Racing got a 1-0 win over Estudiantes in the Cilindro. And Gimnasia y Grima La Plata finished off the run of those three games in a row on Sunday, which all went binary by beating Independiente 1-0. Um, on Monday, there were three games, starting at five in the afternoon, because we've just come off a four-day weekend here in Argentina due to Carnival. Banfield 1, Atletico Tucumán 2. Vélez Sarsfield 1, Tigre 2. Which means that all of a sudden we actually do have a relegation battle to talk about, after a couple of weeks of saying, yeah, it's not really going to happen though, is it? And Aldo Siri 0, Defensa y Justicia 1, which keeps the gap at the top to just the three points. Of course, Racing have been... Six clear overnight, having played a game more. Um, whereabouts do we start with these, gents? I think it's worth a mention that this weekend saw the return of one of Handapod's favourite sons. Well, you say favourite, I say most tedious. I say favourite in inverted commas. Um, the great okay. misunderstood Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, who is back for his latest... Um, relegation mission impossible and this time it really is a mission impossible and, and just for a little bit of editorialising I'll say that Dan might say misunderstood but I say he's just a bellend well um, yes actually my yes, um, he is yeah. back um, he has taken control of San Martín de Tucumán thank you San Martín I was about to say San Martín de San Juan mm-hmm. and I was like no that's wrong um, of San Martín de Tucumán yeah. who lost 2-1 they did uh, and my brother-in-law had the pleasure of meeting him in Tucumán my word yep in the Tucumán Hilton where he's currently staying on his first night as San Martin coach. That sounds a bit Jose Mourinho-ish, staying in a hotel. He actually met him in the casino, where he spent his first night as San Martin coach playing roulette. And I've seen the photos of him really going at it. He's, you know, in his Adidas shorts, just going, really going at the tables. I don't know if he won, but I definitely know that his first game as San Martin coach didn't quite turn out as well as he might have hoped, but it was kind of par for the course with San Martin, like they weren't rolled over again. No, they actually... rotten luck. Um, they, they outshot Lanús, they matched them for shots on target, they matched them, they actually outdid them for proper chances created, I thought. Um, in, in my opinion, at least. he had more luck there in the casino that they... It would seem so, and he's going to be lucky either way at uh, San Martin and Tucumán because my Tucumán sources have let me know how much money he's going to be paid for these five games he'll be in charge mm-hmm. it's two and a half million pesos if they go down no two million pesos if they go down four and a half million pesos if he manages somehow to keep them up so they're a very very quick conversion yes. um, the pound's been going up and down a bit obviously. if you do it by 50 but, say um, yeah 50 let's do it by 50 that, that's 40,000 quid each yeah. uh, if, if they go matches. down 90,000 if they say up, yes, which they probably they, won. They can offer him 10 million dollars because mm. uh, if he if succeeds, because it's very, very difficult that even when he's a, a fireman and he's non, well known for saving teams from, from the 
almost sure uh, relegation. In this case, I think he, it, but that won't be possible. But no, no it's no. not looking good. The reason that the relegation table is all of a sudden interesting, however, is that San Martín de San Juan's draw with Godoy Cruz, combined with that win that I told you to listen to um, for Patronato over Huracán, means that San Martín, who you might remember have been sort of hanging a point above the relegation zone for several weeks now, are now in the relegation zone. Patronato have leapfrogged them. Um, Patronato got to 87 points from 78 games. San Martín have 86 and the really interesting thing is that Tigre put in a very, very impressive performance um, to come from behind, if I remember rightly, didn't they? Uh, and win 2-1 away to Vélez. Third win in a row, right? That, right? It is yes. their third win yeah. in a row. It's third win, it, and they did indeed come from behind. Luis Abramo opened the scoring on the stroke of half-time. Uh, Federico Gonzalez equalised early in the second half and then scored uh, what turned out to be the winner with 12 minutes to go. That winner was set up by Walter Montillo. He's come alive in the last couple of weeks, it would seem. Indeed he has, yeah, at the age of 80 yeah. or something. Um, I remember we said, though, all those weeks back, not that many weeks, maybe a month back, after the 4 all draw with uh, Manfield. Mm. It's a team to watch, Tigre, because they were kind of playing decent football, but not really, not quite getting the results. Like, yeah. Not helped by these stupid results like 4 all. But the, definitely attacking-wise, they've, they've got the tools to do it. And Gorosito has tightened them up. Fantastic. It would seem so, yeah. Since he came in, and it now leaves them. They're on 83 points. They're only four behind Patronato. Who are not so doing badly themselves. We were saying said. last week how, you know, Racing and River are, are Tigre's last two opponents um, mm. in that order. They've got two more matches before those really difficult two, which you would think are probably going to be defeats, um, and which they certainly can't bank on winning, even if they're confident about their chances. If they can get six points from these two games, there's a good chance they'll at least go into those last two rounds outside the relegation zone. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, Patronato, San Martín de San Juan, Belgrano might pick up points, but they might very well not do as well, given how pants they are. Yeah. Um, it makes it interesting. Sorry, Sam, but, uh, but uh, I, I wanted to add because then I forgot, I will for sure forget. Uh, but you talked about uh, uh, Monticho as an old player, or, well, not old. But a player with more than 30 years, and uh, one week ago, I think, when Tacheres was eliminated by Palestino for yes. the playoff of the Copa Libertadores, uh, there is a, very, a, a player that we at Hanuk Pod like, like uh, uh, because of his uh, endurance is that um, Pablo Guignasu has retired from football, mm-hmm. uh, which, well, it was obvious that some point. Uh, you mean he's going to retire? He hasn't. Yes. He's going to play. No, he's, the end of he's retired with immediate effect. Oh, really? Yeah. These are uh, the kind of things I missed when I'm that, on that holiday was, and you're away. That was what I picked up from. He, he, I think it was on Friday, wasn't it? That he gave the, the press conference and um, the uh, the wording to me suggested he was retired with immediate effect. He mm. didn't play at the weekend. He's not playing um, this weekend either. I, I think he's retired oh. already. Uh, it's obviously we, we've mentioned several times on down the years on hand of pod how the Argentine press have a way of being a little ambiguous in their phrasing of these things somehow, <laughs> sometimes, um, particularly when managers leave clubs. But yeah, as, as far as I'm aware, he's, he's retired, for sure. Or perhaps he'll come back for the last game or something. Like. Hmm. Yeah, perhaps a, a, a farewell a match. Yeah, or... if that shit is not playing for anything. We shall see. But yes, another gone way before his time. Indeed, yes, at the tender age of, what was he, 39? 160. He's 40 in May or something, actually, isn't he, I think. Um, but yeah, the Vélez Tigre game was an interesting one because Tigre actually did very little. You know, we've talked a lot about Vélez in the last few months and, and how 
um, attractive the, the, their football is, how organised they are, how much Gabriel Hainsey has tightened up the defence. Well, since the start of this season, really, when when they were chaotic last season, that was their main weakness. Um, so a win away to them by Tigre really is impressive, and in fact they did it by you know it was it was dominance from Vélez uh, in in terms of the balance of play. Um, Tigre sort of did a bit of a smash and grab, but it's going to help them tremendously, and it will help their confidence uh, still. Um, the title race. We should go into the top well, another, in some depth, shouldn't we? Well, another great away result, of course, is Gimnasia uh, against Independiente. I don't think many of us would have seen this coming. I don't well, know what the predictions were like no, last he, week, but I assume that Gimnasia you were the other home team. But, um, I mean, from your point of view, it's a great away result, of course, as the Racing fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, it was a bit of a strange match, that one, actually, because Independiente showed flashes of you know being the Independiente of old who won the Sudamericana. Uh, as they did against Racing as well, but it just they still don't seem to, have that to do it. Yeah. Where sometimes they can turn they it on. They struggle to score. Well, they um, don't have a centre forward, which doesn't help. No, indeed. Um, they, they lost confidence, and I think that at this point, well, he won't say this. Of course, he won't admit this very uh, big mistake of letting go, letting. Kilodi um, go, but at this point, to so be fair, I don't think he had much choice in the matter. Like no, no, Lotti saw the dollar signs and pretty much just said, "Look, but now sell me." The, the striker or the number nine there is or Benitez or Romero, Silvio Romero. Mm. It sounds really, really uh, weak for for a team like Independiente. When when Romero was there and and Higliotti was the the natural or central striker, was one thing you could say. Well, yes, there is. A pair of strikers that could complement themselves, themselves, or could complete themselves. Mm. Now it looks like there is a lack of a, a striker there, even when they are not be, very consistent in in all of the lines. Now, for example, I watched some pieces of the match, and and, and Domingo was so dis- disconnected. For example, and and some time ago he was be like fair, he's still looking for the ball from the front, right? Like, yes, but he I was. At, at, uh, uh, some time ago he was at least. Putting the ball to a, to a teammate. Now he was like absolutely uh, disconnected and, and uh, making mistakes, like against Racing, for example, in the third goal or the third. Oh, when he fantastic. thought the ball has gone out of the of the field and and he was in uh, something like that. Uh, that that's that's an individual mi- uh, mistake, of course. It's not the the, the reason why Independiente lost, but uh, are things to. Uh, see uh, or, or a simple thing that uh, helps understand why Independiente is playing like this. Yeah, um, and as you say, yeah, Domingo's level has, has dropped off alarmingly. The thing is that Independiente, bizarrely, it's not as if they've not got anything to play for. They're, they're still only a point off the Sudamericana spots. Um, yes. But you sort of fear for them in that respect because the battle to qualify for the Sudamericana is so congested at the moment. Um, there yeah, you've got to pick up points because. I was looking at Tacheres are in 8th with 30 points, Tigre 13th with 28, Godoy Cruz are 15th with 27. Um, so you've only got 3 points separating 8, 9, 10, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. Technical um, question because I know it's happened, uh, or it's threatened to happen at least in previous years, and now obviously with more continental places up for grabs, it's likely to happen more. Mm. Uh, in the case of someone like Tigre, they get into the Sudamericana and they get relegated. Will they keep their place or will they have to relinquish it, as was the case 
in previous years. Yeah, and, and years ago, the AFA used to say that if you qualified for continental competition and got relegated in the same season, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't qualify, you yes. couldn't be in the continental competition. I believe competition. the only exception was I if think, you won the Copa Argentina, because obviously that was open yeah. to lower league teams. I, I think, in the, if I remember rightly, in the first season of the Copa Argentina being reborn, mm-hmm. they actually kept that up as well, because a team who were battling for relegation got to the semis or something and, and they said if, if they quali- if they win it they get relegated they won't be allowed to play mm. um, even though if you win the Copa Argentina as a second or third division side you are allowed to play in the Sudamericano or the Libertadores um, <laughs> I know there is the Copa but I, I think that they have done away with that rule now right. I, I think I remember back in the mists of time in August last year yeah. um, that that I remember reading about them having done away with it I might be misremembering and making this up but um, I, I think that Tigre if they qualify and get relegated will be they will fine. be able to play mm-hmm. uh, and it reminds us that there is a Copa de la Superliga that starts when the, the Superliga finishes and, and there it will be played by teams that could be played by teams relegated or, or yeah not. it will be played yeah it doesn't have anything to do with relegation at all. It doesn't affect relegation, and relegated teams will be allowed to take part. The top six qualify automatically. The remaining 20 teams uh, play off according to league position, so 7th plays 26th, 8th plays 25th, and so on. Um, and those will give us, obviously, 10 winners from those ties, who then go into, along with the top six, the last 16, and it's knockout from there. And the um, winner gets a spot to the Copa Libertadores. The winner, yes, gets the, the spot that would normally go to the team who finished fifth in the Superliga, uh, so which is the, why we were saying last week. I think, I think, weren't we? That, that's why uh, fifth place in the Superliga, which is currently where River Plate are, is yes. a Sudamericana spot. So it's Liga. unlikely, for example, if Belgrano relegated to National B and wins Copa de la Superliga, mm. which will be, of course, <laughs> unlikely, they will be in the National B and Copa Libertadores if it stands like this. Yeah, it could happen. Absolutely. Um, the title race, as I said, Racing uh, are still three points clear. They managed a very impressive, I thought, one 0 win over Estudiantes. It, it was uh, it was a more comfortable performance than the scoreline makes it sound. Let's say that it was an extremely comfortable game. Yeah, it was a fairly strange one because Racing were completely dominant like, mm. from start to finish. Just strangled the life out of his Duliantis. Um but struggled a bit to, to get through as well I thought it was a fantastic defensive effort for his Duliantis. they gave up almost nothing in the final third they did tend to have eight players behind the ball even at one nil down um, and it took a little bit of magic from Darío Svitanich to open it up just a fantastic control and pivot in the box and, and a rifle finish I think is the correct <laughs> Adjective uh, for that goal, hmm. and from there it, it was never in doubt, right? I mean, I was watching it for a fairly intermittent stream in a hostel in the back end of Uruguay, and kind of I was pretty pretty calm through the whole thing. It was yeah, still the had a had a spell sort of middle of the second half where they looked like they might have just been coming into it a little bit yeah. given that the Racing were only 1-0 up I think by that point Racing had also missed a couple of sitters if I remember they right. had a couple in the um, second half yeah and uh, let loose given that the difference was still only one goal that sort of uh, and that you know the home team were Racing uh, that, that um, perhaps um, made a few people a little bit nervous about what could happen but mm. realistically it didn't ever look like being anything no. other than a Racing win 
um, which left Defensa y Justicia to have to beat Aldo Civi um, in Mar del Plata in the last game of the round, and they did so. Also 1-0, again having dominated the statistics, especially the possession, not quite as comically as they did against Botafogo and Boca Juniors, and that turned out to be a good thing because they actually mm. scored a goal this time. Another late goal, right? Another goal in the last 10 minutes. It was a goal in the yeah, in the 80th minute. Fantastic free kick from Matias Rojas. Um, so yet another shot from outside the box, which <laughs> Defensive Odisea really like taking these days. Um, but this one went in. It, it was a, a really, really, a, I would say, the second best free kick goal of the league uh, season probably after uh, yeah, behind the, the rather obvious first place which is not going to be bettered uh, no. by, by anybody uh, that, there probably, was but, uh, another similar um, free kick taken by Gervasio Nunez for Atletico Tucumán mm. which of course it's not happy a happy goal for us as River supporters because we are fighting with them to get the spot to the Copa Libertadores mm. but we have to rec- uh, admit that it was similar quite similar in the same same post uh, second post, so. yeah, and, and that really was a, a lucky win. You know, we we, yeah. we mentioned how, how Tigre's uh, victory away to Vélez was a little bit of a smash and grab. Banfield were the better team, uh, absolutely no doubt about that in, in that match. Um, to underline this, I am, by the way, somebody who happens to. Uh, sorry, done. I think you. I've, I had a sneeze there, but it didn't quite come out. So I did. I am somebody who happens to believe the statistics don't always tell the full story. But of course, when we can't show you video on hand of pod, it's sometimes illustrative to be able to mention them. Um, possession: Banfield had seventy percent, uh, which obviously leaves Atletico to come out with thirty percent. In, in case you're a little bit hard of mathematics, um, twenty shots to eight for for Banfield, six on target to Atletico Tucumán's two. And if you were listening a minute ago when we gave you the score, you will realise that means that Atletico Tucumán scored with every shot on target they had. Um, nine corners to Atletico's four. Uh, Fourteen fouls to Atletico's 13. So in that respect, perhaps not quite so great. But for all of that, um, they only really have one absolute howler that I can remember. I can't remember who it was now, but I can picture it. Um, so it, it was a... It was a very, very funny match. You know, funny in the sense of strange rather than ha-ha. Um, and, you know, Banfield's goal even came two minutes into stoppage time as well. Yes. Atletico were, were looking fairly comfortable up to that point in spite of actually looking very uncomfortable if you looked anywhere but the top left of the screen, if you see what I mean. Speaking um, of goalies, I think mm. this week we should make a special mention for San Martín de San Juan's Luis Arrende, who Go took... On. Perhaps the worst penalty I've seen. Oh, yes. At least in 2019, possibly for the last two years as well. If, if you're going as a goalkeeper to come all the way up the pitch to take a penalty... You've got to at least, at least hit the hit target. Yeah. I mean, I, I it was a spoon. But I think that <laughs> even most incredible than the way he shot the penalty was the, his reaction was... Well, the, he shot the penalty, yeah. took it away and, and went a, again to the goal, to his goal. No, but... Like, as a goalkeeper, if you miss the penalty, you don't really have much choice, do you? You've got to turn yes. around and absolutely leg it. You can't beat yourself up about it. No. Um, but, it but yeah, it was. Really the, 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 he didn't appear to be somebody who was tempted to beat himself up by it either. Uh, it was very strange. Um, we're not used to seeing Boca play on Friday night, but as we said last week, of course, they had a, a Copa Libertadores game away on Tuesday evening. We'll talk about those Tuesday Libertadores matches in a minute. Um 
And actually, I'm going to mention it now. I'm going to mention Bocca's Tuesday Libertadores match now. Because on Friday, I thought that was the best performance they've put in so far under Gustavo Alfaro. I started to think that they were gaining some confidence, that they were starting to become a bit more convinced about the manager's ideas. The second half especially was really slick, very, very, you know, clearly thought through. Um, and we didn't see any of that on Tuesday when they drew nil-nil away to Jorge Wilstermann um, in Cochabamba in Bolivia, which is at... Yeah, 2,500, 2,600 metres. Yeah. Um, it's a considerable, but not La Paz. It's or not even altitude sickness inducing, but it is uh, high enough to make a yeah. difference. As, of course, River Plate found out in 2017. Uh, was 2017, wasn't it? Yeah, we're in 2019 now. Yeah, uh, When they lost 3-0 in Cochabamba in the first leg of their quarter-final. Um, so from that point of view, I guess maybe 0-0 is not a bad result. But I was just struck by how disjointed that performance was coming just a few days after, as I said, what I thought really, certainly for the second half, really for about the last hour of the game, was an excellent performance away to Union, who are not an easy team to beat in their own stadium. No, um, I saw only fragments of the Union game. Last night's match was an ISA. It was absolutely diabolical. Um, but yeah, it seems that Boca at least... They've got a little bit more momentum in Superliga. They've won two pretty, pretty difficult games, I'd say. Uh, Defensive Cortes and Union are teams that always, you know, elite, especially defensive, but I think Union as well. They always give you a match at least. Uh, Union isn't a team to to roll over. And there was some good stuff from from what I saw. I think it would be harsh to. To judge them too heavily on what happened last night because it's the first game of the Libertadores. The most important thing you're playing at altitude. You don't want particularly any injuries, and you definitely don't want to lose. So I don't think they'll be too upset with that horrible, uh, very dull point. But uh, if we can discuss Alfaro for a second, I was quite surprised given that the Libertadores is such a priority for Boca every year. One could argue, particularly this year, after the identity of the team who beat them in the final last year. You know, they, they, they want to, to get that monkey off their backs, as it were. Playing Carlos Tevez, who, in the first couple of games under Alfaro, was the starter, and, you know, I think we mentioned on the podcast about that uh, post-match interview he gave, where he said, well, Gustavo's told me that I'm a major player for this team, and, you know, and I was saying, maybe don't say that in public, because <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't expecting you to go out and say that to all the journalists. Um but who since then has clearly become second choice to Mauro Sarate. And yet he started last night and played for the first what, 70 minutes or something yeah. like that, wasn't it? Didn't play badly, to be fair. Like, um, I've been as much a critic of Tevez over the years as anyone, but he held his own. He kept going until, until the substitution. I yeah, I'd, it is, I'd say it was the right It, it was the right call, yeah. the group stage. It's not yeah. like it's a massively important one. It wasn't decisive by any means. No, as I say, you've got five matches to go. You think, I can't remember exactly who's in Boca's group, but if I remember rightly, it's fairly soft. Um, yeah, on? Alfaro could could afford to give that, give those two points away. I don't think either he or anyone at Boca will be losing sleep over the result. We will talk more about the composition of the groups when we actually go through uh, the Libertadores um, results in, in a couple of minutes. Um, at the moment, I've just got the Super League on my phone, that's why I said I don't want to get away from this screen uh, for too long. Um, San Lorenzo Argentinos, if we can remember all the way back to that very first game of the, uh, of the weekend, 
Where did that come from? I was looking at San Lorenzo Argentinos and thinking, that's going to be nil-nil, maybe one-nil, if we're really lucky. I was not expecting a five-goal thriller. Um, when Gabriel Lauches on the pitch, you've always got to expect the most exciting, I think. That's, that's some more. Indeed. Um, Argentinos looks look really decent. Uh, San Lorenzo... They're another team that have had a bit of a renaissance quite threat wasteful. in recent weeks. They've won a couple of games at least. Let's see. They have. I've got a feeling that you're right. I'm just going to try and check. Uh, they are unbeaten in three in the league and four in all competitions. Since because losing to Defensive Cortesia in the last minute. Yes. Uh, they lost to Defensive Cortesia in the 95th minute. Since then, they beat Estudiantes 2-1 at home. They drew 0-0 away to Atletico Tucumán and then they got this win over San Lorenzo. And also last midweek, um, the... Oh no, sorry, yesterday. Of course it was yesterday. Uh, the 5th of, of March, um, they did not fall victim to the same complacency that Rosario Central and Tigre both did in the Copa Argentina. They beat Douglas Haig 4-1 with a Gabriel Alche Golasso, or so I've heard. I, I haven't seen it. So. He's on fire. The boy is on fire. Indeed. They're at home to Belles this weekend, which could be interesting. I, I think that, I particularly think that at this point, San Lorenzo is so used to not win, with, especially of course with Almiron, that he hasn't won uh, since he's the coach of San Lorenzo, that you could put in the same team, playing for San Lorenzo, Messi, Lukaku <laughs> and Rashford and they won't score a goal or they won't win because this time they scored two, two goals and they lost anyway. Uh, it's very, very, it's quite strange because, uh, uh, of course, we, we stick to the, that image of Almiron uh, becoming champion with Lanús, which is uh, at this point sounds no, I don't, I wouldn't say a miracle, but um, uh, or magic, but it's hard because now Lanús, with Sun, of course, he, they are quite better with with Sun. They uh, won a lot with special goals, mm. but uh, they they are now the team that that Armion was able to build, and and, and now with Sun, so it's like he he brought. Uh, a lot of uh, t- uh, players he knew from Atletico Nacional, a lot, well, a, c- a couple of Colombian guys. But they may, might be good, but... Uh, but I'm not sure why he brought so many players from Atletico Nacional if that team was atrocious and yeah. barely won a game. Yeah, but managers like to sign people they're familiar with, don't they? So I'm sure they're some then. Would it make more yes. sense? For example, yes. For Lau Chao Costa, they are. I've just realised that I can't get this stat up on either of the apps that I've got on my phone, so I'm going to have to quickly load. Fortunately, the internet's working reasonably at the moment, so it shouldn't take too long to load. Uh, oh, this page has decided to slow down. Come on. Yay. San Lorenzo um, are now, I'll tell you how many games it is, 12 matches without a win. Seven draws, five losses at home. Seven games without a win. And away, there are also 12 games without a win. Does that include last night's game as well? That includes just the Superliga. Ah, so um, I think we've got as well the Libertadores game last night, which we'll talk about in a minute. And indeed. also a Copa Argentina game against Gimnasia they went out to. Yes, that sounds right. So, so they're possibly 14 possibly in all competitions. 14 without a game. Which is um, not good. <laughs> without a win. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it isn't fantastic. They're mm. also at the bottom of the Superliga. Um not they're okay on, with Bromeo, at least. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're fine in the relegation uh, table. The relegation table, of course, as regular listeners are already aware, uh, is um, different from the league table. Well, it's pretty much for this eventuality to protect the big clubs. Yes, indeed. Yeah. 
razón de ser. In that table, San Lorenzo are down to seventh now uh, because they got they had actually two really good seasons before. Of mm. course they did because they they're in the Libertadores at yes. the moment. But it's one reason um, that the uh, that I think they did so poorly in the Libertadores last night. Um, Melgar versus San Lorenzo. I mean, we we said that Jorge Wilstermann versus Boca was quite a bad game. Melgar versus San Lorenzo was. Unwatchable. I, I didn't mean, have the privilege, I must say. I, I, I actually corrected um, one Argentine uh, statistician who, who said on Twitter uh, that uh, Wisterman against Boca was the worst game he'd seen in years. And I said, it's the worst game I've seen in an hour and a half because I was mm. paying some attention to Melgar against San Lorenzo right before it. And that really was just atrocious. <laughs> yes, um, but they, they, sorry, but the Wisterman against Boca match included, uh, apart from the attitude that what, it's not that. Uh, the same attitude of La Paz, but also a, a, a off, an awful pitch, which of, apparently will be uh, observed or will be uh, there will be a fine for Clark Wilson for having that such. Yeah. A, uh, then, then of course the commentator said, which is politically correct, perhaps, but at the same time it's true. Why do why don't they see it before? Uh, well, I, we don't know that, but uh, mm. the the thing is that the pitch was. Very difficult to yeah, play. Hacking up in clumps and stuff, whereas San Lorenzo had no such excuse, at least from what I saw. I was watching on an internet stream, actually. Well, I was watching on a legal internet stream with my cable providers, but um, I was watching on the computer screen, so it's possible that, that the pitch wasn't great there either, but I don't think, I didn't hear any comments about it. Um, San Lorenzo, bottom of the, of the league, Godoy Cruz the 15th. So since both of these teams qualify for the Libertadores, Peter actually made this point on Twitter right before the games kicked off. Um, they qualified for the Libertadores in May last year. This is a problem. Since then, this is why Argentina so needs to unify the season with their Libertadores mm-hmm. because this is ridiculous. You've got they're not. You haven't sent the best teams into their Libertadores. You sent the best teams from almost a year ago, and at least in the case of San Lorenzo and Godoy Cruz, they're patently not uh, up to scratch now. We're slowly getting better from the days of the short championships when the winners of the Apertura to pick a year at random, 2007. Um, went into the 2009 Libertadores, so they wouldn't play for 15 months after they'd actually qualified for that. Going to 2008? No, because it, it, it's for the following season's Libertadores, and it was the 2007-08 season, so they'd go into the Libertadores in 2009. I always thought the Libertadores was done on a calendar year no. qualification. No, no, at least at least for yeah. most of the short championship uh, era, possibly the last couple of years when they started to mess around with the finals. Anyway, so, in the case of Lorenzo, you can understand, for example, for the members or the directors to get Almiron there because when Yeshu was there uh, in charge uh, Sanonso was playing perhaps like this or even worse but in the case of Godoy Cruz you can't never you can never understand why Dabobe left to go to Argentina Juniors uh, he was with a uh, had a great team with well some players of course left also but uh, now he's at Argentina Juniors he got he seems to be getting some results to be fair yes. he's improved mm. uh, yes, he's after those dark days of Carboni who is working again right I think someone's uh, hired him at least I'm not sure where <laughs> I don't yeah. know someone always hires him I shall look him up in a second first yeah. of all I'm going to look up Argentinos current run because I have a feeling that you're right They've, they were bottom and something like four or five points adrift um, and they're now third bottom yeah. uh, level on points with San Martín they took about in second bottom but they're yeah they're <coughs> pardon me two wins and one draw 
uh, in the last three games yeah. since Dabobe took over in the 16th round. So he, he got two defeats and a draw in his first three games, but since then he's picked them up. So he's, he's I guess, needed a couple of matches to work out what he had at his disposal. It would seem so. Brighton fans, by the way, might be interested to hear that Alexis McAllister set up what proved to be Argentina's winner um, on Friday. He was the there assist giver for that. <coughs> Pardon me, I just wanted a crisp the wrong way. Anyway, uh, that seems a good reason, and in fact I was thinking of doing it anyway, honestly, even before I started to um, choke, uh, to take a half-time break. We're going to go away now. When we come back, we will give you our uh, image of the last weekend with Fanatis. And we have to talk about River, sorry. We will talk about River, because Andres wants to talk about River. And we will also talk about those a, a little bit more about those Copa Libertadores games on Tuesday, although really there isn't an awful lot to say, as we've just sort of hinted. Mm. Um, discuss uh, Alianza Lima versus River, which is kicking off in an hour and 20 minutes uh, from when we record. And, of course, answer some of your lovely listeners' questions. Don't go away. To the second half, we are sponsored by Fanatis. Go to fntz.co/hop for details, and you can use the code HOPFZ uh, for a 20% discount on your first three months of that wonderful service. Uh, remember, if, if you're anywhere in the world outside Latin America, you can catch the Superliga and the Copa Argentina live and on demand. Um, and if you're in possibly the United States or possibly the United States and Canada, you can also catch the Libertadores and the Sudamericana and other competitions live, but not on demand. Um, as part of the sponsorship with Fanatis, we are asked to provide our image of the round, our uh, lasting, um, enduring image in our mind's eye when we think of this round, uh, linked with the fact that Fanatis gives you the best image of the Superliga. Um, and this week, Andres is doing the nomination. Well, I we were talking off the record, and uh, I said that if it doesn't have to be a positive or something good about the round, the, the last round, the Ardente incredibly penalty missed missed penalty would be the the one. Yes, um, in the Clásico, strolling up to take it all the way from his own goal, smashing it high and wide, very high and very wide. It could have left the stadium if the uh, fence between the pitch and the stands haven't got in the way and if he'd actually hit it properly and, yes indeed yeah yeah um, and then stoically turning around and jogging off well running off quite rapidly down the pitch and trying to pretend that he wasn't bothered by it or <laughs> possibly not being bothered by it really or possibly that he hadn't even taken it just yes indeed laying yeah. down just uh, maybe nobody noticed yeah perhaps um, sorry but as a bonus track and not an image of the of the round itself but afterwards uh, could be a funny round, funny image, not the best image, perhaps, uh, or the the image of the round. Uh, Comesaña, Luis Comesaña, leaving Cologne, uh, not uh, telling the players that he will leave and telling them that they are telling them that they were to be soft chickens. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um. One of those. <laughs> 
the Libertadores has kicked off. As we mentioned already, it started with three fairly dull games. Melgar against San Lorenzo was absolutely unwatchable. Um, Jorge Wilstermann against Boca was a little bit better, but not an awful lot. We've talked about both of those already. Uh, Godoy Cruz versus Olimpia was the other. And I thought that one was a, perhaps a, a shade more interesting. It did also end nil-nil, but considering Godoy Cruz have, as we said, dropped off massively in form since qualifying for this Libertadores, now we're playing one of the giants um, of South American football. Um, they, they put in a fairly good show for themselves. They, they did all right. Not sure there's anything really other to say than that. but uh, We'll go through, because I mentioned the composition of the groups. I, I promised you that we'd mention that. So, now that all the qualifiers are over and the group stage is actually underway, um, Group A is, of course, the group with the holders in it. So that's River. Um, they visit Alianza Lima in an hour and ten minutes, roughly, from right now. Obviously, continue to listen to the very end of the podcast after the final theme music, and I'll give you the final score of that. The other game in their group is actually being played right now. It's between Palestino, the team who beat Tacheres in the playoff last week, um, and Internacional of Porto Alegre. So two former winners um, in that group. One of the giants of Peruvian football and Palestino, who are relative continental novices. I don't think this is their first continental um, campaign. but it's, it's They've up. had an entertaining ride so far. They've got they through two yeah. of their preliminaries, beating yeah. uh, Independiente Medellin and Tacheres. And... Looking pretty good at it, like I remember them. The moments. Sorry, uh, I remember them having played the, uh, another continental, wasn't it? The Sudamericana when Gede was in charge. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh. Yeah, it, it was. It would have been what maybe maybe three or four years ago, something like that. Yeah. Uh, group B, Huracan are in Group B. The other three teams there are Cruzeiro, Emelec, and Deportivo Lara. Uh, that's all Brazil, Ecuador, and Venezuela, uh, respectively. None of those matches have been played or are being played just yet. Group C is Universidad de Concepción of Chile, Godoy Cruz and Olimpia, who, as we mentioned, drew 0-0 yesterday, and Sporting Cristal. Uh, the other game uh, in that group uh, ended with a, a one-goal win. I don't know how many goals were scored by Universidad de Concepción, so they're top of the group after one game. Group D is Flamengo of uh, Brazil, Liga de Quito, Peñarol and San Jose Oruro. So some very obvious, at least on the historical terms, some very obvious whipping boys there. Were it not for the fact that Oruro is at about 3,300 metres or something, isn't it? Um, So three former Libertadores winners. uh, Two teams, I think it's fair to say. Well, no, one team who could actually call themselves giants of the competition, Flamengo have maybe flattered to deceive more often than not. I think they won it once, right? About 86 or something like that. Um... But uh, certainly three three really, really big clubs on continental terms. And San Jose Aurora, who have the significant advantage, let's say, for their home games at least, of um, playing at altitude. Although... It didn't do much good last night. It did not do them much good last night. Flamengo got a 1-0 win. Um, so, already Thanks up against uh, Gabriel it. Barbosa, the ex-Inter striker. Ah, you see, you were playing more attention to that one than I was. I was mistakenly, I was watching the two Argentine teams. Ex-Inter and Santos, right? Santos of Brazil. Yes, hmm. Yes, one of um, the various new Neymars who have been uh, tagged over the years since Neymar came through. Group E also has no Argentine side. Cerro Porteño of Paraguay, Atlético Mineiro of Brazil, Zamora of Venezuela, and Nacional of Uruguay are the teams there. Group F: Melgar and San Lorenzo, as we've said already, stank the place out last night. Uh, Atlético Junior of Colombia and Palmeiras 
um, of Brazil, the other two teams there. So there we have two former winners, San Lorenzo and Palmeiras. Group G is Deportes Tolima of Colombia, Boca Juniors and Jorge Wilstermann, who drew 0-0 last night, and Atletico Paranaense with their new name, which looks like an English person unable to speak Portuguese and Spanish, but is actually what they're calling themselves now. Mm -hmm. Um, And the name change hasn't done them any good. They lost 1-0 to Tolima last night. Very, very nearly 2-0 in the 96th minute, but uh, it ended up only being 1-0. So Tolima topped that group after everyone's played once. Uh, And Group H is Libertad, who beat Universidad Católica by three goals to nil, I think it was, or 4-1 or something last night. Um, And Rosario's... Oh, it was was 4-1. Sorry, they were 2-0 up after five minutes. Um... 2-1 2-1 thanks to a goal from a penalty from Luciano Awed just yes. before half time incredibly after the second half incredibly, incredibly after that match uh, Lionel Alvarez the Colombian who was mm. the, in charge he was, was fired uh, of uh, Universidad Católica yes yeah. uh, and Rosario Central and Gremio are the other two teams in that group they play one another in Rosario uh, oh also in an hour and well it's now an hour yeah. and five minutes um, yes. also this evening bringing together uh, two Libertadores winning coaches, uh, of course. Indeed. Edgardo Balsa and well, uh, Renato Gauch. It would be if Edgardo Balsa was still managing Rosario Central. Did he leave in my absence? He has uh, been. He was fired uh, after the loss to Lanús, I think. It was a week and a half ago. Yeah, so, so I was, was away. You, yeah, possibly the day after. And left. no one bothered to tell um, Yeah, he was, he was fired and he's been replaced by Paolo Ferrari, oh. who so far has overseen... A penalty shootout defeat in the first match of their Copa Argentina defence. And uh, whatever it was they did at the weekend, they lost as well, didn't they? Bit silly, isn't it? Forgotten already, having already Firing Balsa before the Libertadores, you think that they could at least leave him for the group stages? We kind of uh, discussed it last week, though. I think Balsa had been showing some signs that he didn't particularly want to be there. He was missing his his wife and child in Quito. um, Because they moved back to there rather than coming with him to Argentina when, when he left uh, Saudi um, and yeah so it was sort of it, he'd been talking about it for a couple of weeks about the possibility of, of leaving it was more mutual more mutual termination I'll just get my teeth in right um, so if I make else. that if I get my sums right that's the fourth job Bowser has left in two years after Argentina and two Middle Eastern teams United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia yep. yeah uh, not that, that a great run. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Um, let's move on to the national team. Um, the really big news for the national team is very easy to pick out because it is that the squad's being announced for the two friendlies on Thursday. Um, so, actually, possibly, depending on what time of day they do it, it might be just before this goes online. We have been told by the press, it's not that we've got contacts. Um, that Lionel Messi is going to be included in that squad, that he will be playing in the match in Madrid against Venezuela, and that he will then return home to Barcelona um, and will not take place in uh, will not take part in the match in Rabat against Morocco. Um, but Messi is back. The number ten um, shirt will be occupied by the best player in the world again for Argentina. Um, so his sort of self-imposed national team exile that began after the World Cup. Um, is over, or will be by the time this goes online, possibly, and unless something really surprising happens in the next few hours. Um, and the other piece of news is that there is a new goalkeeper in the Argentine national team's midst. There is, yeah. Uh, well, apparently, because it hasn't been confirmed, of course. And I've seen a couple of conflicting reports, some that have had him in there, some that haven't. But 
we expect Juan Musso, the ex-Racing keeper currently with Udinese, to uh, get the call. Which is pretty big. He's a guy who's only 24. He had a couple of seasons um, as Racing's number one after Agostino Rion ended his uh, not particularly distinguished spell with Racing. And yeah, he was always pretty impressive for, for Racing. A couple of mistakes, of course, which all young keepers make. I mean, he was a guy who was 22, 23 when, when he got the call up. Never easy. Um, obviously, I haven't seen him as much with Udinese as I did with Racing, but I've heard good things. And yeah, I'm guessing this call up is going to be more for him to get experience. Uh, I can't see him playing any minutes, to be honest, with the likes of who's it going to be. Uh, Ruli ahead of him at least. I don't know if Sergio Romero is going to make a comeback. That's going to be the other thing to watch for, isn't it? I've not seen yeah. any reports, but Romero is um, fit again now. He yeah. played in the cup for Man United a week or two mm-hmm. ago. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether or not he gets called up. Yeah, possibly Andrade as well, mm. who's been in very good form uh, for Boca, and, but since he joined Boca, basically, because he's just a very good keeper. Uh, there are options with... Um, in the goalkeeper's position, but it's a very good, very positive step in a young goalkeeper's career to get this recognition, and yeah, can only learn from it. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, there's not much else to say because it's not that those friendlies are coming up right now, but it seemed a bit daft to uh, Agustin Marquesin looks like one of the other names mm. has been touted for the, the goalkeeping yeah. position. As far as I've seen. Scaloni's going to keep a similar squad to the one he's been working with, kind of a lot of young players, a lot of guys looking more to 2022. Another the exceptions to this rule, of course, along along with Messi, would be um, Angel Di Maria, mm-hmm. who's been uh, been mooted for a for a recall, and yeah, so deserved because he's been pretty shit off uh, for PSG recently. Um, we've all you know we've all said our bit on Di Maria, but if he plays kind of more of a central role, I think, as he has done for PSG, he could definitely help out um, in these games, at least for the for the Copa America. Um, where this leaves guys like Iguain Aguero, again, it's, uh, it's something we can only speculate on because it doesn't look like they'll be involved. Um, and I guess at this point it would be safe to say they have an up. An uphill struggle to make the Copa America if this is a team that Scaloni's working on for that objective. Yeah. But um, we should see, yeah. I mean, we'll know more, at least when the squad's actually um, confirmed. And then, of course, after these two games and when we're really getting close to, to Copa, Copa Fever. Yeah. The, the other name who's been mentioned as one of the main uh, sort of people coming in is Guido Rodriguez, who was playing for River um, in twenty. 20- 14 and 2015 um, and who then went to Defensive with Dicia where he had like a season or half a season or something before he went to Mexico uh, for America uh, first Tijuana and then America yeah thank you yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tijuana followed by now yeah. America he's expected to be called up as well um, he apparently won his place or something like that to Marconi who has recently uh, come to Boca Playing well, but not the enough te- matches to be mm. considered. Anyway, it is said that if he continues, the mm. level he has been showing uh, could be called up in the future for Copa America, let's say. Uh, but yes, apart from that, there are not any 
any other rumors of or of or, or, or collapse or of collapse or something. I don't like. know how much you've talked about it in well at least in the pod I missed, but we might even have another tournament uh, in Ar- for Argentina in 2020, right? Go Let's on talk now. Of, we didn't talk about it at all, so uh, I, I know what you're talking about. I've been following it kind of disjointedly since I was on holiday and whatnot, but as I understand, it will be almost identical to the. Um, to the 2016 centenary Copa America, uh, just under a different name, with uh, six teams from from Concacaf and and that exact format. Uh, where this leaves the Copa America is, I think, a little bit unclear because the idea, right, was to uh, align the Copa sooner rather than later with the uh, European Championship to kind of avoid this um, these. Well, it's not. No, it's the opposite of holes. It's it will be um, filling in of the of the international calendar and not giving these guys a break. Yeah. Uh, so I guess keep your ears peeled for that because we don't know a lot more than than what I've just said right now. I saw a couple of whispers that it might actually be held in Argentina um, as well, but I would assume that there'll be. I've heard. Yeah. Happens that it, it will would be, be Argentina. States, that was what happened when yeah. it was first. Sort of mooted, but we'll see. I'm guessing giving it to Argentina would be kind of a sop to Commonwealth for having mm. to organise this other tournament. And also, another little international snippet I saw, um, kind of very, very much offhand in my travels, was um, an, a new participant in the 2030 Arn, Arudo oh, Parnchi. Yeah. He's going to end up just being the whole of South America hosting it. It's ridiculous. It does seem. Does seem so. Uh, Bolivia have thrown the hat in the ring, mm. which I am very much in favour of, only for the fact that I would love to see um, two European sides go head to head in La Paz. I think that would make me very happy. I think that they're going about it in a way that makes it all but certain that it's going to go to Western Europe instead of coming here. Which is it seems so, right? Like it's, it's ridiculous. Almost, you know, in these things with Congress, where you hear they just tag unpassable bills and laws into other things just to make sure no one is ever going to vote for it it does yeah. seem like they're just deliberately shooting themselves in the foot um, if you can hear a couple of thumps in the background by the way it's because the cat's just started to run around after one of her balls she's woken up from a nap um, on to questions Scott Beetleston who is one of our newest patrons of Patreon supporters so thank you that was a loud one yeah. be careful Thank you very much for that, Scott, and to, indeed to our other Patreon supporters. If you want to become one, you can go to patreon.com slash handofpod. Um, Scott has emailed me to say, uh, what was this appreciation slash acknowledgement from Independientes players to Gimnasia's fans before the game about? It caught my eye on the highlights and it confused the hell out of me. I didn't see it, I must admit, so someone else is going to have to enlighten me. No, I'm, I don't really have a clue either. <laughs> no. Neither. This no. isn't how we're going to keep patrons, Sam. We've got to be more prepared than this. No, if well, you've given us a bit of notice before, we could have, uh, we could have at least I've done a Google search. I've only just seen it myself. Um, <laughs> Scott also says, on a side note, Dan will be happy that the yellow and green derby saw neither team in yellow and green. Can you refresh my memory as to why home teams wear away kits? Well, the first thing to say is that there's no such thing as an away kit in football. It's a change kit. It's a cha- yes. Um, and in Argentina... Um, the traditional ways it, it sort of became in, store in the early years when teams would often travel uh, apparently um, without necessarily knowing what colour kit the home, home side were wearing 
And so because the home side were the ones who had two sets of kit to hand more often than not, it was their dressing room they were using after all, um, they sort of got into the habit of, uh, of the home team changing more often than the away team. Exactly. That's basically yes. it. There's not much more to it than that. Questions on Twitter are as follows. Just as soon as my notifications load. And I managed to scroll down to the start of the list because I forgot to do this first. Uh, we've only had a few, actually. These were all from a couple of days ago and it was in a separate discussion I was having. Um, I saw a few up there. Jimmy Lee has offered to do predictions, so we're going to be having Mystic Sam against Mystic Jimmy in a few minutes' time. Nick Turner says, Does anybody think that Matias Rojas is in line for a move to a bigger club, even if Defensa y Justicia take up their option to buy him at the end of the season? I mentioned Rojas's fantastic free kick earlier, which won the game for them um, on Monday. It's a similar situation to um, a guy like Lisandro Martinez, right? Who was... A transfer was speculated upon um, during the summer break. Eventually, he decided to stay at Defensa Justicia, or Defensa Justicia decided not to sell him. Um, but yeah, even if Defensa, knock on wood that this doesn't happen, win the league, um, if uh, Boca, if uh, River or even an Independiente or Racing come snooping, it's extremely difficult to say no because it's just so much bigger a shot window. Mm. Um, the best Defensa Justicia player is never going to be as as avidly watched or as desirable for, for say a European market or or even Mexico or Brazil, these guys who who tend to pay more than Argentina, then uh, than a big five team, it just doesn't happen. It's a financial reality, and yeah, if a big club comes for him, uh, the most likely thing would be defensive Cortesia using the option to then sell him on for a profit. I imagine. And I think come what may, whether they win the league or not, they've obviously had a fantastic season, and, and defensive Cortesia's squad is going to undergo a major renovation of uh, the yeah particularly players. since they don't have Sudamericana they don't have even that to kind of give these guys an excuse at least to see see yeah. through the end of the year exactly. uh, yeah there's going to be casualties and we have to remind that uh, of course the physical teachers are playing great football perhaps best team one of the best teams perhaps in Superliga but almost all the players that are in the squad right now have already been in, in teams some of them in big teams like Tony, Tony is now injured, I think, but he was independent. Domingo Blanco, the same. Um, well, Barbosa has a, an opportunity playing for River. Um, some of them have already been in, in big teams and weren't that, that, that good. That's why Defensa Justicia smartly uh, bring, br- uh, brought them to, to play for them. And uh, uh, the results are, are, are the, the ones we, we are watching. I mean, it obviously helps that. Uh, one of their biggest backers is also agent to about 70% of the players in Argentina, right? Indeed, yeah. yeah. Only. Uh, Tom Robinson says, if you had to pick a Copa America squad right now, who would be in? <laughs> I'm not going to name every player, but I yeah. would stick in general terms to this um, kind of Scaloni Dina. Uh, Messi. New guys plus Messi, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And uh, if you want a bit more detail, remind us of that. In a couple of weeks' time, a little bit more than a couple of hours before we start recording, Tom, we'll try and actually, I'll try and draw up a list and see what the other guys think of it. Uh, Lawrence Hart says, is the challenge from the title for Boca too little, too late? 
I realistically, it's I too late. So. Yeah, um, uh, I think Racing need one more win to put themselves uh, beyond Boca's reach. Yeah, Boca. Are, I think I'm right in saying they're ten points behind with twelve to play. Exactly. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. So yes, defensive with DCI would need just four points, and they will yeah, be- realistically, it's n- uh, you can't see both teams yes. failing to win another game for the rest of the season. No, defensive with needs to at least keep this dif- difference and we, uh, win against Racing in the last round. That's the only possibility, of course, they, they will have. And yes, I think Boca is out now. Aaron Brown, for someone following from a distance, what's up with Rivers' new stadium rumours? So I'd put, I think we can do a general uh, new stadium rumour uh, blanket answer, right? Go on. No one in Argentina has a penny. Today, the dollar appreciated another 3%, which makes it even less likely someone's going to have a new stadium. Well, Estudiantes are going to have a new stadium at some point well, in the next three years. Been because bit, that's because they've been building it for, what, 15 built. years? Yeah. Um, but they were supposed to have moved into it in, I think it was March last year, and they still haven't done yeah. yet because it still isn't finished. But apart from them... Yeah, uh, seeing yeah, a new stadium get off the ground now is essentially impossible for perhaps everyone except Boca, which would still be a massively no, difficult undertaking. There's still... I don't think any chance at all. No, um, no me neither. But the reason if that one team rumors, could do it, it would be Boca. The reason yes. that these rumours are happening is because uh, Rodolfo Donofrio wants to, uh, the River Plate president, um, wants a new stadium for some reason uh, and has been talking about selling the land. So that the River, I guess, have, have the advantage if anybody at River other than the president actually wanted a new stadium, then it would be an advantage of having an absolutely massive parcel of land in a very desirable part of the city that they could sell and potentially um, therefore move into. But um, yeah, it, it's not going to happen. The fans aren't happy with it. Um, it it's an idea from Donofrio, which sounds great if you're running for re-election, but otherwise... <laughs> yes, but anyway, uh, I think that uh, he he heard some critics, or he was hardly criticised by, by supporters, yeah. and, and, and I think the position also of River... Uh, and uh, then after that, he said that there's there are no projects uh, at this point of really uh, building a new stadium because of the things you are saying and the money that are uh, is lack, uh, lacks uh, even especially that river that uh, with the dollar uh, that, or the currency uh, the change means means that they are with the debts in that in that currency yeah and. Um, that after that, that critic critics, he said that uh, he evaluates or an, is analyzing the possibility of restyling the the the, the current stadium, which is also. I, I don't uh, know why he didn't just go with that straight away because that was yes. one of the main campaign. That was one of the main points of his first campaign for election when he won the presidency for the first time. He said, "We want to remodel the monumental. We want to get rid of the running mm. track. We want to bring the, the the seats right in closer to the stands. We want to put a roof on it." We want to, you know, up the capacity to 100,000 or whatever it was. And I don't see why you wouldn't do that when you've already got a perfectly serviceable stadium. Okay, if you come down here from Europe, it certainly isn't in the same condition as the Camp Nou or the Bernabeu or Old Trafford. But, you know, it, it's decent enough. It, it, it needs a touch of paint and it, it needs some maybe... Uh, Several a, a few touches, new bits of concrete. More, more than, yeah, places. more than a touch. But the basic structure is there. Um, and I don't see why you would need to tear the whole thing down given that it isn't actually structurally unsound no. it, politician being economical with the truth 
it's it's hard to Indeed. it's hard to believe. I must admit. But yeah. if you insist, I'm like, oh, uh, I'll Liam, take it face value. Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, has also got a River Plate related question. He says, "Has the gap in Arriba's popular?" in recent home games been due to the Libertadores fiasco. It actually came just before, right? When they started handing out the banning orders to the Barra. Yeah. It was, and I think there were conspiracy theories, which we always like on Hannah Pod, that the violence before the the Boca final was a reaction to this, uh, I think, at the start. Was it something like 40 Barras were, were banned? And now it's along the lines of 300 something, something like that yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing is that Dan says that these are conspiracy theories I think that's maybe a little bit harsh because it, we should mention um, that for instance the, the pepper spray attack during the 2015 Libertadores on Rivers players by one of the Boca Barras mm-hmm. was for you know very similar reasons it, it was the Boca Barra having an argument with the directorship of the club at the mm-hmm. time um, it so happens yeah it happens sometimes they're conspiracy theories sometimes they're there are actual things that do happen, and so it can, it's, I think to, to say conspiracy theory suggests it's completely ridiculous to think it. We don't know still uh, what the cause was of the of the bus uh, of the attack on Boca's bus prior to the second leg of the Libertadores yeah. final, um, but uh, that's not an entirely incredible um, in in the uh, unbelievable yeah. sense of the of the word. Um, no, to give a cons- yeah. to give a concise answer, I guess to Liam's question, um, some yeah, as I mentioned, around three hundred River and Barras have been have been banned from the stadium. They can't uh, attend games at the Monumental, and that space is left empty as as a protest, I guess, by the ones who are still there. Yeah, presumably. Yeah, not which is, it's happened before in um, into that spot. Yeah, it's happened before in other teams. Um, after this theme music, you will hear Mystic Sam and Mystic Jimmy's predictions for the weekend to come. Don't go away. Here we go. We have some interesting looking fixtures this weekend. Uh, I'll give you Jimmy's predictions first and then mine. For Lanús versus San Martín de San Juan, uh, we're both going for Lanús victories. Having just said, I'll give you Jimmy's first and then mine. I'm just going to do it in whichever order I fancy, really. Uh, Belgrano versus Patronato. Jimmy is going to be at this one. Jimmy is um, uh, United States based, I believe. Uh, Belgrano uh, follower, and he also runs a very good Belgrano in English Twitter account. Um, He's down here visiting at the moment and is going to be at Belgrano versus Patronato. He is, of course, going for a Belgrano win. I'm going to go for a draw, just to be a bit different. Godoy Cruz versus Rosario Central. Jimmy says draw. I'm going to go for a Godoy Cruz win. Newell's Old Boys versus Tacheres. Again, Jimmy says draw, and I'm going to go for a Newell's win. Colon against Racing. Jimmy says draw. I'm going for a Racing win in that one. Boca he hasn't watched Colombia recently, I'm guessing. <laughs> or Racing, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Um, Boca vs San Lorenzo. Jimmy thinks Boca win. Um, interesting big five classic of this, because San Lorenzo are the only club, uh, we've mentioned this every time they play, um, who have played Boca a really significant number of times, more than about 15 or 20 times, and have won more times against them than Boca have against them. You see what I mean? Um, all the same, 
I'm also going to go for a Boca win in that one because San Lorenzo is such bad form at the moment. Estudiantes versus Gimnasia. Ooh. Mm, That's, this has been a terrible classic in recent years. It has, Al- yes. Almost on a par with, uh, with New Orleans Central yeah. and with none of the excitement beforehand. No, uh, Jimmy's going for a draw. I'm going to go for a Estudiantes to nick it, I think. Uh, Huracan versus San Martín de Tucumán. As Internacional go rather jammily ahead um, of Palestino in the Libertadores. Huracan uh, versus San Martín de Tucumán. We're both going for an Huracan win in that one. Uh, Independiente versus Aldo Civi. Jimmy thinks that's a draw. I'm going to go for an Independiente win. Atletico Tucumán versus River. Jimmy also thinks that's going to be a draw. I'm going to go for a River victory. Tigre versus Union. Jimmy thinks draw. I'm going for another Tigre win. Argentinos versus Vélez. As I said, I think that's going to be an interesting fixture this weekend. Jimmy thinks a Belles win. I'm, I'm going to go for a Belles win as well. They've, they've been rather more consistent in their performances than Argentinos, but it has the potential to go either way if Argentinos actually turn up. And Defensa equals Dicia versus Banfield. Jimmy thinks the Defensa equals Dicia win. And I think that it's going to be a draw. I've just decided. Let's hope you're right. So, if Jimmy's right and Racing draw with Colón and then Defensa Justicia beat Banfield, that would cut the gap to just one point. If I'm right, then it cuts, it, it lengthens the gap at the top to five points. Um, so from the neutral point of view and from the point of view of you know, us on hand that probably want to see a title race, not you, Dan. No, definitely uh, not. Let's hope that Jimmy is correct. But obviously from my point of view, I hope I'm right so that yes. I get the glory again. I hope so too. I won Mystic uh, predictions last week. I've not bothered to look up my score, but nobody else was predicting anything. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, gentlemen thank you very much for being with me for another week thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening to us for another week for now it's goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye English Dan goodbye and me goodbye there are two full time scores to tell you about from the Copa Libertadores Uh, both draws Rosario Central Versus Gremio was a very entertaining match indeed. Chances at both ends. Uh, Central looked a lot better than they have done uh, for a good while. Um, And have probably, well, I don't think there's any probably about it actually. Definitely the best and most encouraging result of Paolo Ferrari's nascent managerial career. And it was also a 1-1 draw in Lima. Thanks to a Cristian Ferreira free kick for River in the 94th or 95th minute, it was uh, the only reason it wasn't literally the last touch of the game is, of course, that uh, the rule is that you have to take the kickoff um, after a goal goes in, uh, even if the referee's immediately going to blow up. Uh, that rescued a point for River after Alian Salima had put in a very, very impressive performance indeed um, and had taken a 1 0 lead into half time and very, very nearly into full time. Uh, Alianza can take I think a lot of heart from uh, their performance River were a little bit disjointed a little bit uh, um, tired looking maybe a little bit uh, lacking in ideas but they've had a habit uh, as we said earlier of of starting the Libertadores a bit slowly at times Um, so a point away from home for them is is perhaps not the worst result 